everyone. Welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can uh, use today to take your leadership to the next level. And we are now exclusively a part of the SEU Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ken Engel, president of Southeastern University. And I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, SEU Chief of Staff. And wow, we are excited today to introduce our guest for uh, our podcast today, Scott Harrison. Scott is the CEO of Charity Water, a nonprofit organization bringing clean and safe drinking water to people in developing countries. He's also a World Economic Forum Young Global Leader. Scott, man, wow, it's a privilege for us to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. It's be fun. Now, I, I want to open uh, up our conversation by first talking about your life and, and your journey and, and how you begin to really discover uh, purpose um, and, and tell us about your career and experience before eventually discovering your calling to volunteer work in West Africa. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was a nightclub promoter for 10 years wow. uh, in New York City. That was my first pro, uh, kind of profession. Um, I had moved at 18 to rebel against my very conservative Christian upbringing. Uh, and what better way to do that than yes. to rebel in style by exactly. drinking and partying for a living? Yes. So, uh, you know, this would, this would surely be the way to get back at my parents for, uh, <laughs> for sending me to Christian school in the basement of a church. Love it. Uh, yep. So, you know, 18 to 28 was kind of a blur, um, climbing up New York's social ladder. I worked at 40 different nightclubs over that decade. And I was the guy responsible for getting the celebrities there, getting the models there, getting the DJ there. And then uh, as we did all that, we could charge $1,000 for a bottle of champagne. Wow. Right. Uh, we, could, we could charge $5,000 just for someone to sit at the right table yeah. near the right people. And, you know, I picked up all the vices that you might imagine would, mm -hmm. would come with the territory, uh, followed this, mm -hmm. you know, obnoxious cliche really of the prodigal son, right. <laughs> just getting deeper and deeper into the, the mire, uh, the, the muck of mm -hmm. decadence and yeah. selfishness and, uh, spiritual bankruptcy, moral yeah. bankruptcy. And then at, uh, at 28, you know, I had a, a really powerful experience. I was down in went to Delesta, South America and Uruguay. I was on this opulent vacation. Uh, I had a Rolex watch. I drove a BMW. Mm. My girlfriend was on the cover of fashion magazines. And, you know, I had arrived. This was, yeah. this was everything I'd hoped for. And I was completely miserable. Mm. Wow. And, you know, I didn't love my girlfriend. She didn't love me. And I realized as I looked around, uh, there would never be enough. Yeah. Somebody would always have more, uh, better, bigger. And, my dad and mom had been praying for me for 10 years. Hmm. They had little old ladies in their church locked up yeah. in prayer closets, yep. wearing holes in the carpets, <laughs> yeah. their knees, you know, praying for the prodigal to come home. Yeah. And my dad had sent me down there with a, with a book called The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. And, you know, probably for the first time in 10 years, I, I just like start flipping through this. And I don't know, there was something about maybe reading the opposite intention of your life yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that, was, that was jarring and shaking. And, you know, I realized that I, I needed to massively change. Uh, a, a small course correction was not what was needed. Sure. Yeah, it was yeah. like 180 degree, you know, <laughs> right. do the exact opposite of every single thing that I'm doing. Wow. Yeah. And that, that led me a couple months later to, to really start life over, sell everything I owned, uh, and, and tithe back was, this is my idea. One of the 10 years I'd wasted 
with a humanitarian service organization, really just to see uh, guys if I could be useful. Yeah. And it, you know, the first ten organizations I applied to all denied me because yeah. uh, they had no idea what to do with a club promoter. But then I got this amazing opportunity to travel to West Africa uh, with a group of doctors and surgeons. And uh, you know, quit quit everything. Never smoked again. Yeah. Never touched the you know the coke oh, yeah. or the drugs, or never gambled again. It really kind of went clean, um, cold turkey, and then you know started a, a very new journey yeah. as a as a photojournalist in Africa. Wow. Yeah. So, at what point in that part of the story did you start uncovering this this passion or this deep need with with clean water specifically? How did that start getting unlocked for you? Yeah, well, the first year was really traveling with these doctors and, and documenting the the needs that they were meeting medically. Uh, I finished that year and went back for a second tour to, to Liberia, to post-war Liberia. And I learned two things as I got out of the city into the rural areas. I learned that half of the country was drinking unsafe, dirty, contaminated water. And I learned that half of the disease in the country... Right was because people were drinking unsafe, dirty, contaminated mm -hmm. water yeah. uh, and, and didn't have access to, to sanitation and to hygiene. So the, the chief medical officer, who was this hero of mine, a guy named Dr. Gary Parker, who'd been there for 26 years uh, on, this, on this hospital ship, he just kind of said, you know, if you really cared about global health, mm -hmm. don't raise money for, you know, the, the next medical procedures we're going to do. Just go get everybody clean water. Right. Mm. And he was telling a, a, an almost 30-year-old, and I don't know, there was something about that that felt possible and challenging and, and intriguing. You know, maybe the, the root cause of so much of this global sickness mm, sure. that, that we were seeing. And, uh, and I came back to New York City, um, having just turned 30, and said, okay, I'm going to make this my life's mission. I'm going to bring clean and safe drinking water to everybody in the world mm -hmm. uh, or die trying. Yeah. Well, what I love about your story is you discover, I mean, how you discovered your passion, how you began to live your passion. What advice would you give um, uh, people, uh, especially students who are looking at their lives, wondering what, yeah. what is their purpose and how can they truly discover it? You know, I heard somebody use the term once, like the, the holy discontent. You know, mm, there's yeah. just that thing that as you look at all the ills of the world and all of the needless suffering, you just say, that's not okay on my watch. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for some, it might be shelter. For Gary Haugen at IJM, it was justice. Right. Uh, you know, children should not be trafficked. Right. Um, mm. for, for others, it's, it's hunger or health. For me, it was water. People shouldn't drink freaking dirty water. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, no one should do that. Yeah. Yep. So I, I think it's it's maybe listening to that that voice of uh, what what resonates. You know, if sorry, if you're actually going right. to go down this path of of uh, social entrepreneurship or you know nonprofit work of yeah. you know instead of just trying to make a, mo a bunch of money to maybe later give it away uh, to actually make this a profession. You know, using your time and your talent to to raise awareness or raise money for a cause or or even build an organization. Um, I, I think, you know, it, I think it kind of, it happens naturally for a yeah. lot of people. It's something that they see and they stop. Um, it, it could be, you know, a loved one that dies from, from a disease. Mm -hmm. 
and someone says, I want to make sure nobody else dies in a horrible way from this disease. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to go work towards research or to, you know, to, to build funding, mm-hmm. you know, to, to stop this. So I think it's, it's often very personal. It's yeah. a personal experience. And so on that, what would you say to students who maybe haven't had that personal experience, right? They're sitting there, maybe they're 18, 20, 23 yeah. years old. And they're like, you know, I don't, I would love to do something that I'm passionate about, but I just don't know what I'm passionate about. I don't know what is driving me, what, you know, so maybe Maybe I guess I'll just go do accounting. No shade on the accounting majors. We love you guys. You keep doing <laughs> what you're doing. But um, you know what? What? How would? You, how can students start that journey? You know, how can they be thinking about their lives in that context if they don't have that passion yet? Well, I think travel is a great way. You know, mm-hmm. finding opportunities to travel, you know, internationally, uh, travel throughout the developing world. Uh, just to get exposure to, you know, the world outside mm-hmm. uh, the United States of America or, or you know, kind of a middle-class bubble. Right. Um, people live very differently right. in, in different cultures and different contexts. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, probably watching less Netflix, yeah. to be quite honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. watching, you know, six seasons of, of the latest Netflix thriller right. uh, will, will probably not lead you to your passion. Right. Um, you know, reading uh, books or, or, you know, even watching documentaries, you know, about global issues or, yeah. uh, right, there's, there's, mm-hmm. there's kind of leaning into the learning yeah. of, of uh, and then there's just, you know, what, what a lot of people do, I think, which is just kind of escape, you yeah, know, you, right. you, you go to school and then, okay, I'm going to watch three hours of TV or I'm going to play video games. You know, yeah. that's, that's not how you find, find your calling. Exactly. Yeah. That's so powerful. You got to live your life with your eyes open. Right. That's, that's how it is. So even if you haven't had those experiences yet, you got to go through it with, yeah. with that, that attitude. Now, now you lead a, I mean, a wildly successful organization with more than 1 million donors worldwide and, and over 557, I think, million dollars raised so far to help in the problem of of, of drinking dirty water. Now, tell us how you get people to be that passionate about solving the problem of water and, and it not being available to everyone. How do you get that out in front? Yeah, storytelling. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it is no one listened to this podcast, I would argue, woke up this morning and said, Man, I'm so grateful for the clean water right. that I just brushed my teeth with, yeah. that I just made coffee with. Oh, that long shower. You know, yep. What can I do today to serve the 771 million people globally who just didn't have that option, right? The 10% of the world that's drinking dirty water. So, you know, this is not a problem that most people have experienced, that they have any proximity to. So that is that that makes our job a little harder mm-hmm. because we have to get people to stop to right. think to realize that this is an issue and then to invite them to actually do something about yeah. right. to to be a part of the movement you know giving giving again of their time or their money uh to this so it it's done through through stories uh charity waters made over 2000 videos mm. uh, over the last 15 years it's uh, we we've written you know countless stories of of what it might be like to wake up in a village in Malawi mm-hmm. or in Bangladesh uh, or in Cambodia and have to walk six hours for water uh, where you know you're 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 a girl that that is worried about being raped yeah. on this mm-hmm. journey or being attacked by a lion or a hyena or a crocodile at the water. Uh, you're you're a, a woman that's giving birth, and you actually have to have your baby by the river six mm-hmm. hours from your home because you need that water. Uh, you know, it's it, gosh, there are you know I could tell story after story after story, 
Um, and it's, it's those stories, I think, you know, again, names and people and faces uh, that, that get people to think, what if that was me? What if I could help yeah. someone like that? Yeah, storytelling is so um, powerful. Yeah, a, yeah. Go ahead, keep going. There, there's a story we, we tell... There's a story we tell of this uh, this this woman in in Uganda, uh, one of the first people we served, you know, well over a decade ago, and, and her name was Helen Apio, and she said, you know, look, I I used to have to walk a far distance for water, water's very heavy, so I could only carry ten gallons every day, and it just was never enough water for my family. Hmm. And she said, every day I would just make these choices: do I cook? With the limited water, do I clean my my house? Do I uh, wash all my kids' school uniforms? Do I let them drink the water? How much do I let them drink? Uh, do I keep their bodies clean? Mm. And she said, you know, as a Ugandan woman, I always put my family first. So there was never any water left for me. And she said, now that, you know, Charity Water came and, and, and built a water project in the center of my village, she said, I have all the water that I need. And she said, now I am beautiful. Wow. Mm. And, we're, you know, our team was like, of course, Helen, you're a beautiful Ugandan woman. What do mm. you mean? And she said, well, now I have enough water to wash my face mm. and my body and feel clean. Uh, now I can wash my clothes. Yeah. And she said, look at me. I'm looking so smart now. Oh. You know, so again, like the, the power of something that so many of us take for granted just to restore dignity mm -hmm. to a woman who was making this great sacrifice, who was not only walking, but then she was putting others first uh, in, this, in this limited quantity of water that she had to, to distribute every day. Yeah. I love it. So, in your opinion, so there's thousands of stories right, like that, right? Yeah. And I think in so many leaders with their organizations, right? We we talk about this a lot. You hear this a lot of how powerful stories are for motivating your teams. Yet, so many still struggle to to find that. They kept what What do you think keeps leaders back from being able to capture the stories that are happening around them? From really being able to motivate their teams with them? You know. It's kind of come natural to me. I'm curious. So I'm always out there just asking questions. And, you know, I, I, I briefly studied journalism. Um, I'm just a curious person. So I want to know how things work, what drives people. Um, you know, you, you unearth the stories by putting yourself in the situation in proximity right. to where those stories happen. And then by just asking a lot of questions, mm -hmm. you know, someone had to ask, we got Helen's story by simply saying, what was your life like before the water? And what is your life like now after the yeah. water? Yeah. But, you know, Helen wasn't going to just walk up and tell her story. Right. right. So I, I think you've got to be curious and you've got to ask. Yeah. And we were in her village in Uganda. You know, yeah. Helen is not sending us an email right. saying, hey, I've got this great story to, to tell the Charity Water community. Yeah. It's, it's in the midst of the experience. It's in the midst of doing, uh, going, being a part that, that you can be awakened. And that's so important. You know, when you, when you first started Charity uh, Water, you established a small core support team, which eventually developed brand partnerships with companies you know, like Google and eBay and PayPal. In your opinion, why, why was this move towards partnering with these major brands a key part of the success of Charity Water? Well, the, the biggest challenge in the growth of nonprofits is no marketing budget or, or yeah. anemic marketing budgets. I mean, mm -hmm. Charity Water didn't have a marketing budget for the first 10 years. So you've got to grow uh, organically through word of mouth, through hoping you know, people come to your online mm -hmm. campaigns or, or give through your website. Yep. 
So it was really trying to leverage the marketing arms of these bigger companies. You know, we were a pilot partner, just as one example, for, for Apple Pay. And I had, I had heard that Apple Pay was going to eventually allow nonprofits to integrate. You know, I called up the, the leader of that. I just called at Apple and I talked to her and I said, we want to be the pilot partner. We want to be the first charity where you can give using your thumbprint uh, in, a, in a tactical way. And then Apple wound up sending an email to every single person in the Apple community um, about this, about the fact that you could now use Apple Pay. So th- that's that's just a marketing opportunity. I don't have that email list. Yeah. You know, I don't have the the, the street cred of, of an Apple uh, to do that. But just a simple kind of, um, really sometimes a simple ask mm-hmm. can can lead to a really impactful partnership. You know, we're, we're doing a, a global partnership with Uniqlo. And it's a really creative, bespoke partnership where they're moving from plastic to paper bags. And if you do take a bag, you know, they were donating, I think, two and a half cents to Charity Water, which, which is great um, and, and does add up. But really, it was the, um, the marketing material of Charity Water at every point of sale uh, at those stores as people would go and they would check out and they would see charity water. They would see a picture of someone drinking clean water or of a well being built mm-hmm. that was really valuable for, for us. And, you know, as, as more and more young people flood these companies, the apples, the Uniqlo's, the, you know, the, the Google's of the world, people are looking for their companies to do good, to affect positive, inarguable global change. And, you know, I'd argue clean, clean water works for everybody. Right, right. And what's so powerful about that, and I think this is a big thing that leaders need to understand, especially when you're first starting out, right, is this power of partnership. So, so many leaders, right, they look at like, okay, I have these obstacles. I got these things that I'm doing for my organization. I can't, if I just had a little bit more money, right, they say, well, I could accomplish this. I could go for there. Can you talk a little bit about how important it is to find those partnership opportunities to go out of your way for leaders just starting out with their organizations? You know, I, I think it's important, but again, a lot of ours, if I think back to the early days of Charity Water, they happened organically mm. before there was a team focused. Right. It was saying, here's what I'm doing. Here's the mission. Here's the, the passion that we have. How might we be able to work together? You know, is this something you could get excited about? I mean, I remember our first big partnership was with a, a luxury retailer called Saks Fifth Avenue. Yeah. And they had about a hundred stores. And, you know, they, they are selling $10,000 purses, okay? Uh, and, and really just, you know, it's a high-end luxury clientele. And I just met the CEO, and I told him uh, my passion for clean water and, and just said, is there any way you'd be able to help? And, and the next thing I knew, uh, he'd kicked it down to the marketing department. I went in and told them the story, and they're, they're shooting their next two catalogs in water, they're just wow. getting everything wet. So they had this yeah. great creative. Then they gave us the windows of Fifth Avenue, of Beverly Hills in California, of Chicago, all these, these windows to do these giant installations and to build water wells inside Saks Fifth Avenue stores. Wow. Um, and they raised $750,000. So it really happened organically. Yeah. And, and maybe us not even having the clear idea. We, we didn't go in saying, we need you to do this. Right. Mm. But they were able to, to make it their own right. uh, and actually make it work for their brand. 
Yeah, no, and customer. Yeah, Scott, we we we've talked obviously about what this organization has done so far, but tell us a little bit about what's next for Charity Water. You know, this is an issue that you know isn't going away, so that can often uh, you know cause people to lose their passion for big issues like this. What's the plan to keep the problem of healthy drinking water at the forefront uh, uh, of our kind of social consciousness? Probably the most inspiring thing. I have seen recently uh, to answer this question is I saw a 27 year stock chart of Amazon. Hmm. And for the first 20 years, it is a straight line effectively. And then around year 21, it starts shooting up and to the right. And 93% of the value was created in the last seven years. Only 7% was created in the first two decades. Wow. Wow. So the first two decades would have looked like, oh my gosh, like Amazon's not a very big company. Yeah. You know, it's just not not much Working, of a market yeah. cap and yeah. right. And and they were, you know, Jeff was very smart about putting all that money back into, you know, the company, into infrastructure, into to future growth. But you know, where we are, we just turned 15 two weeks ago. Uh, we've raised about six hundred million dollars. Uh, we've helped 13 million people globally get clean water. Uh, across 29 countries, so 13 million. Out of the 771 million, it's 156th. Wow. Of the way there. 1.8%. Hmm. So, in a way, like, you know, it's not 1,5,000th right, right, or yeah. 1, you know, 700th. It's like 156th. Yeah. And at the end of this year, it's going to be close. I think it'll be 150th. So, you know, I think maybe that, you know, married with, uh, you know, with, with the Amazon idea of you just keep showing up and, you know, you grind it out for three decades um, and, and you learn a lot and you get smarter and you build a community. And, um, you know, in our case, we're, we're really trying to build trust with, mm-hmm. with that community. So I would hope that the best is yet to come. I believe that the best is yet to come. I believe there are a lot of people, you know, maybe even listening who will be future contributors to Charity Water um, who, who haven't even heard of us yet uh, or, or who had never heard of us. So, you know, you, you play this long game. I just, uh, not, not too long ago, I spoke to 74-year-olds about the water crisis. Mm. Uh, this was uh, right before COVID, a, a preschool class. And you know, just last week I was in San Diego uh, speaking to, you know, kind of 30 middle schoolers. So, you know, I really believe some of the biggest impactful uh, contributors to end the water crisis, you know, may not have even started their businesses yeah. yet, wow. yeah. uh, let alone exited right. you know, to be able to make a big impact. They, they haven't heard of us. They haven't gotten their first credit card yet where they'd be able to give 20 bucks every single month and, and be part of a grassroots movement. So I think, you know, we just want to keep turning up, mm-hmm. uh, staying true to our values, you know, continuing to take our learnings uh, into better execution. Yeah. And, you know, you, you look back, this year will be our first year where we break 2 million new people with clean water. Wow. So over 2 million new people, you know, it's like 6,000 people a day. Yeah. That's you know, amazing. you're filling up Madison Square Garden every three days now, mm. you know, so Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, you just sold out the garden with with people that just got clean water. And then you do it again Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So I, I think a lot about the, the future momentum. And yeah. this is a lot of people out there who could care about clean water. Right. Right. And make it happen. So when you're talking to your team, right, let's say, let's say 
you've got a project, you've got things that, that don't quite go as well. And I'm sure that in an organization like yours, you're trying sure. lots of different things. How do you encourage them in that face, in that in the face of that disappointment, say, hey, here's the bigger picture. Hey, we've got this more. How do you keep them kind of encouraged to go through and keep that long, that big picture in, in store? I think you keep the, the vision, you know, penultimate. Uh, this is all for the good of clean water. So all of these challenges, and, and believe me, there are lots of challenges. There are many things that go wrong. I just learned this morning about a six-month delay uh, in, in a project that has just been so difficult uh, that we've been working on for five years. Um, but we know why we're doing that project. Mm. And we, you know, we are still, you know, it's, it's a highly innovative sensor tech kind of internet of things. Um, it's really hard to do. We're making devices in China mm. um, through a pandemic, um, you know, to, to be able to better monitor the, the sustainability of, of our wells. Um, I think you just keep going back to this is why we're here. This is why we're doing it. This is the impact we're making. And, you know, let's, let's, let's be resilient. Um, let's, let's have grit. Let's keep pressing forward. Uh, let's stay optimistic. Yeah, that's good. So grateful for your voice and, and grateful for this conversation. We're going to close our conversation out with our, our fire round, just asking uh, a few questions surrounding kind of everything that we just discussed. We'll only ask three today, so but our, our goal is to, to always grab a few practical and applicable pieces of advice from your experiences uh, for our listeners. So uh, I'll let Michael, you uh, fire the first question away. Awesome. Okay, so what is the best way to find good talent for your organization? Build an amazing, epic brand. Mm. That's good. We had 6,000 people apply for 11 jobs this year. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. And I'm guessing, did you guys advertise those or are you just posted on the website? Just on our website. Yeah. Just yeah, on our website. Yeah, we didn't spend yep. money advertising. Yep. What What is the uh, first piece of advice you'd give to someone who is interested in working for a nonprofit organization? It's really all about the skills. Um, develop skills and master them. That's the short answer. The slightly longer answer is we have people that come to us and say, I'll do anything to work at Charity Water. Sure. And we don't want those people. Yeah. We want someone that says, I have worked to become the best graphic designer that I can be over the last few years. And I would love to bring my graphic design expertise to Charity Water. Yeah. Or I'm a software engineer mm. and I'm a really, really good software engineer. And I never realized that I could code and the result of that code could be people getting access to clean water. So I'm really focused on the, you know, the mastery of skills. Those are the people who we want to bring into the organization, not just well-intentioned people who say, I'll, I'll just be a generalist. I'll just, I'll right, just do whatever. Right. right. Yeah. No, that's good. Bringing the skill set to the table. Yeah. It's huge. Last question for, for you before we close out our time. If you had to pick the most important characteristic for a nonprofit leader to have, what would it be and why? integrity even over everything else hmm. you're dealing with people's money uh and trust is everything yeah so never good. cutting corners you know always always make the hard right decision yeah 
Well, hey, Scott, I, I want to thank you for joining us today on Framework Leadership Podcast. Grateful for the insight you provide our listeners. You are a gift to this world and just grateful for what you're doing and the difference you're making and glad that we can just be a small part of that as well. So just a privilege to have you on the cast today. Thanks for having me, guys. Love it. If you want to stay up to date with Scott and Charity Water, you can check him out on Instagram and Twitter at Scott Harrison. And uh, as always, if you're watching us on YouTube right now, make sure you hit that subscribe button, that follow button, so you can get more leadership content delivered right to you every single week. You can also check us out on Instagram, Kent underscore Ingle, or Twitter at Ken Ingle. And if you want to get leadership content right to your inbox, go to www.kenningle.com, sign up for our weekly newsletter full of jam-packed great value for you to take your leadership to the next level. Thank you so much for listening to Framework Leadership. Take care, everybody.